What's new? What's new? Welcome back to another music interview. I'm Justin the Floor God. This is the So Who's Up Next podcast, the show where I have curious conversations with my fellow artists about their music, passion, and process. Blue Deputy are the new kids on the DIY block. Andy working out of the UK and Brody in Delaware, the two are able to piece together musical parts into a cohesive indie sound. During our talk, I was so intrigued by the passion these two have for the craft and for the communities they are part of. Having just signed a Chillwave Records, it was really cool to hear the insider scoop about that part of DIY culture. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure you will too. Let's get into it. I'm Andy. I do lyrics, write the songs. I do vocals and guitar and some bass and any like auxiliary stuff. That's all me. Oh, and I mix as well. I'm Brody. I play drums. I record a good deal, do production work, and sometimes I do bass. Yeah, we split that load. I like it. I like it. Blue Deputy, nice to have you on the show to be here yeah it's good to be on so tell me a little bit about how you guys got into music i guess first individually i mean i think we've both always been pretty musical people like since i was a kid my mom's like real good at piano so she taught me piano so i've always kind of known music theory has been quite innate to me sheet music and that kind of stuff i got like a pretty comprehensive education on that like off the bat and <laughs> so I've, I've always been into like creating cool harmonies and sort of melodic lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I was <laughs> I was in a not to brag, but I was in a select acapella group in high school. Nice. You know, it was just it was high school and it was acapella. That was sort of where my like real love of arranging like vocal lines began. Throughout high school, I played many different instruments. I played trombone, I played trumpet, I played flute, piano, and like the thing that always stuck was voice. Yeah, I got my like first Costco acoustic giant fucking yellow guitar when I was 11. And I just remember adoring it like I had never adored any other instrument before. And that was when I really started getting into like, I got, we both got into Fall Out Boy around the same time. And Mm -hmm. then our music tastes kind of diverged and then converged again, kind of like emo indie adjacent. And then Mm -hmm. that was when Brody and I's music tastes kind of converged into like DIY, shit like that. I've been writing my own music since I was like, since I had a guitar, Mm -hmm. probably before that I was writing music and I would like post the first cover I ever posted was of a scientist by Coldplay. And I put that up on my Tumblr. And I remember feeling like a, a big man because it got like 30 notes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like, I'm making it big. Yeah, I just kept at it. And that's more than any Tumblr post of mine ever got. Yeah, I mean, not to brag, but I was I was kind of a big shot. But yeah, that was that was my journey. I'm glad the fame hasn't um, gotten to your head. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, working on keeping humble, you know. Keeping grounded. That's exactly. all you can do. Exactly. But yeah, Brody, what about you? My musical journey was very different. Um, none of my parents were musical at all growing up and didn't really foster my music at all, apart from like, you know, like buying me a Toys R Us guitar when I was like nine or so. I like dicked around with guitar for a while, but I was mainly into sports. And then in high school, I was like, I'm going to take this more seriously. So I stopped doing sports and started taking guitar more seriously. Uh, in high school, I was getting in like pop punk, the stories so far, the Wonder Years, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Johan Knucklepuck and like I was like these guys are dope they don't really have a lot of vocal technique that I can latch on to and that's okay because I can't really do vocals very well anyways and so I made a lot of music on my iPhone like garage band for iPhone I never joined a band until I graduated high school and moved up to my college town where I am now in Delaware 
Nice. And then since then, it's been like really good. The Delaware scene is really awesome and conducive to making good music and everyone's very supportive. But I finally feel like I have the support system I never had when I was a kid, which would have been nice, I guess. Yeah, I mean, better late than never. And yeah, that's that's super cool. All I also want to mention, I also did sports in high school and middle school. That was not just Birdie. And briefly in college. And briefly in college. <laughs> nice. I we like were both it. chats at one point. I, I'm about it. Hey, I mean, if if it makes you a more well-rounded individual at the cost of being slightly chat-ish, you take what you can get. So <laughs> it's a small price to pay. I mean, I think sports and emo are very adjacent, obviously. Yeah. Um. So it fits. It fits nicely. I think you aren't a true emo unless you played organized sports. Exactly. That's not true. You can quote them on that. <laughs> I'm about it. Okay, so let me just get things straight. So, Brody, you go to school in Delaware. Yeah. And then, Andy, you're in London. Or, but you're both in London right now, right? Yes. And yeah. Yeah. Andy, that's where you go to school. Yes. Okay, yeah. and then I'm reading your Instagram bio. It says Philly bedroom emo. So just walk me through the geographic landscape of how your music was created and, like, why are you in the places you are now? And what's that like for your music? Shit. Well, I, so I was born just outside of London in a town called Watford. Nice. And for about nine years, I grew up there. My dad got work. And so we moved out to Philly mm-hmm. and sort of moved around a little bit out there till I graduated high school. And then I <laughs> stupidly was like, I had to go back to my roots. I'm going to only apply to schools in the UK. <laughs> and it nice. was like, it was for a lot of reasons. It's a lot cheaper over here. Even though it is London, it's still cheaper by a substantial amount. It's only three years. But yeah, so I'm over here, but most of our like music connections and kind of roots are based in like the Philly, Delaware sort of area. A lot of the music I feel is very much tied to there. The two songs that we have out right now were released when I was still living in Philly in the summer. Mm. The plan is to move back there after college and sort of base our music out of there permanently. I'm in London just sort of temporarily. I was born and raised in uh, Delaware. And as a result, like University of Delaware was the only school I applied to. Hmm. And now I just go to UD, which isn't nearly as interesting. But what's your major? Oh, my major. I was an orientation leader. So here's my orientation leader intro. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Brody. I'm a junior, a public policy, political science double major with a minor in energy and environmental policy. And I'm from Dover, Delaware. And that was my introduction. I like it. Your voice completely changes. Yeah, no, it gets like really upbeat. Yo, what's up, guys? We're gonna have a great day today. I'm gonna show you around campus. Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear them smacking their fists together? (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing like a type thing. They told me not to do that in training. Yeah, fuck you up. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure this translates really well in an audio format. No, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. Like, honestly, I, I get a great sense of how you're moving around. And I think that's hilarious. Yeah. No. Yeah. Can you hear my eyes light up when I give that intro? I can. I can. You start glowing, bro. For real. Let's move on to how you guys actually got together as a band. Because I'm curious, given your geographic positions, you guys were a little separated growing up. And especially yeah. even more so now. So, like, how did Blue Deputy even come about? Blue Deputy was, was originally my thing. And it went by many names previously. 
it's like car seat headrest worship kind of stuff. It wasn't good, but it was like, you know, just learning the ropes. And then I, I sort of changed my name a lot. And then I settled on Blue Deputy just because I liked how it sounded. And I put out the first ever version of New Jersey, which is now not available on streaming because I just didn't want people accidentally listening to that when I told them to go listen to our music. That's, <laughs> it's not really our sound anymore, but it's what the song originally was. Mm. So that was up from like March, I think, of 2020. And then I was like in the like sort of Twitter scene when Corona started taking over. Brody and I had lots of mutual friends. And so we were just like adjacent for a while. And then Brody DM me, we started talking. And then we started dating. And then I was like, well, I guess you're my drummer, huh? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. looking for a new project. No, it started out like uh, you wanted to help with the new version of New Jersey. Yeah. And I was like, can you just hand me the stems? And then you did. And then I spent all night making a bunch of remixes to it. That's on Bandcamp now. But yeah. that was the inciting um, like incident to... Yeah, that was how they became like involved in Blue Deputy. Because I've been in the scene and I started like... I started on like Baby's First DIY emo. So I was like Origami Angel and that kind of stuff. I was listening to that and I was like, damn, I think that's what I want to sound like. And then I was talking to Brody. I was like, I want to make this, I want to make New Jersey like sort of indie emo song. Like I want it to be heavier. And at um, that point I was in like a, like an emo pop twinkle band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the time. And so, yeah, they really helped kind of shape New Jersey. And then I hit Steven Singer and it came off the back of sort of figuring New Jersey out. And then they became my drummer. And that was when I was living with my parents who have now since moved back to the UK. But we were still in a house that we'd been in for a while, like when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And so I was up there and Brody was down in Delaware. I think we started talking in April. We didn't meet until June. Like we didn't obviously like be respectful and safe we really didn't see each other really that much mm. over the summer just because it's not too responsible mm. like constantly be seeing each other and we live in literally different states so yeah we had to be conscious of that but yeah it was a lot of just like sending google drive links back and forth and like <laughs> calling until one time we called from like 10 p.m to 10 a.m like the next day yeah and you had an interview and you were like fuck i have to <laughs> i have to go and do this interview you like took a power nap yeah. I remember that. That's that's good. That was kind of how it started. And then I told them pretty early on, I was like, by the way, I go to college in London. So <laughs> and you took a, a deep breath. And you were like, God, I hope that they still wanna date me. Yeah. I hope they still wanna talk to me. You know, it's it's difficult being in two different time zones, mm -hmm. but it's not the worst time difference ever. It's five hours, so it's doable. I'll work on something all day and then send it to Birdie and they'll work on it for all their day. That's quite the origin story too, by the way. I'm glad you guys can make it work. Is it difficult finding the same level of inspiration, recording and drafting ideas separately than together? I write all the lyrics and I write the melodies and the guitar parts and mm -hmm. like I sort of draft up. We haven't really dabbled too much in writing bass lines. Oh, but we're apart. gonna. We're gonna. <laughs> So like I'll I'll send Brody a scratch demos for the LP. I would send Brody a scratch of like the melody and I was playing guitar. And then they would come up with some drums, send it back to me, and then I would record, I would track like guitar, and then I would come up with a bass line, and then I'd record some like scratch vocals, and then I'd send it back to them, and they'd be like, oh, change this, add this. Mm -hmm. uh, this needs to be, you know, panned R, L. This needs to spread around it, or like <laughs> take the bass out of this. It's a lot of Google Drive. 
Lots of good um, drive. I've never been in a band in which I wasn't the one writing the songs and like just handing them off to my drummer and bassist and being like, come up with what you want to come up with after mm-hmm. the skeleton is made. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice just to turn my brain off and hit drum with stick, um, especially because like the whole endeavor of recording drums is like, it's it's just that it's an endeavor Mm -hmm. we recorded drums for the lp in like july and then i did it again in you like ruined yourself recording those drums in that sweaty room with that like really old computer yeah and then we did them again in like october and then i was like no 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 because i bought like new drum gear i was like you know what scratch this i'm gonna get um a bunch of gear so after i get home from london i'm gonna re-record the lp drums in my basement hopefully give it off to a talented producer who we have in mind but won't say out loud for purposes but yeah no it'll be good i love recording drums i love getting up better at it and i like reamped guitar for the double yeah i felt like that was probably like apart from the addition of real drums which like the original version of new jersey had some like 808s or something um Apart from the addition of real drums, I thought that the like reamping of the entire thing that Brody did like really made it what it is. It was like the secret kind of sauce to like what made it sound the way that I wanted it to sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amp sims are cool, but like if you can put a mic in front of an amp, I feel like it's better. What's the change, I guess, in dynamic of performing via live stream compared to performing live? I mean, other than the fact that there aren't people there, is it harder to get into the music that way? Or like, what's that like for you guys? Well, that's a good question because both of us have performed live in different aspects before the pandemic, but Blue Deputy didn't really exist before like April of last year. Yeah. I mean, in any like known capacity before like March, April. So I, Blue Deputy has never had a live show or never had like a real, you know, live at a location show. We've mm-hmm. only done live streams. Brody was in a band before this. It's like they performed a lot. And like I've been in like performance groups. I've performed solo many times. But like Blue Deputy has never had a live show, which sucks. I'm like lusting after a live show. Like yeah, I haven't even practiced yet. Yeah. We, we yeah, we've never practiced. Summer. We've never practiced with like Brody playing drums and me on guitar and singing live which is just awful but hopefully soon yeah we will get to do that yeah the main difference for me is it's a little harder to feel the vibe i guess i really miss like eating off of the energy of an audience Mm -hmm. and like interacting in that way and like chatting with people and charming them and uh, people starting chants in the audience yeah, oh, yeah. Just, like, people like pits. yelling out and whistling mm-hmm. you know uh, waving no this one time sebastian like uh, he crowd surfed at house of mouse and it was like ridiculous i missed that yeah i think it's just the energy is missing and then you know when the live stream ends you're just like sitting there like, staring at like a on black your, screen yeah, on oh, your no. bedroom floor like surrounded by cables and you're like Shit, I got to <laughs> Like last night. So last night um was a bit interesting. Mm-hmm. We did it we did the live stream and then my laptop charger sucks shit. And like <laughs> it my laptop I thought was charging all day and then I opened it and it was at like 6%. We went on at 10 our time and this was at like 9:30. Hmm. like fuck and so i plugged it in and we were just like praying it was like 32 i think when we started the live stream yeah and we had all of our stuff plugged in and we were just like it was like watching the ball drop brody said on new year's eve like watching watching the percentage go down down. 
Because we could only have the interface or the laptop plugged in at one time because we only have one. Because um, I, I got mashed up banana in the other USB-C port on my laptop freshman year of college. <laughs> so only one works. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So, <laughs> walk, walk me through that experience. Was there any well, story behind that? I haven't even heard the story yet. Every, like, every day <laughs> for a while, at the beginning of my London college, I'd have to commute into school and I would throw a banana in my bag. And this one day, the banana like got smashed under my laptop and then some banana got into the charging port and it just stopped working. I never managed to fix it. Yikes. So the, the charging port just doesn't work anymore. Oh no. <laughs> that was a bit of a crisis. And so we got through like three quarters of our set and we were at the like second verse of a cover we were doing of Acolyte by Slaughter Beach Dog. And it, the stream just cut off. Mm-hmm. And we were like, fuck. I mean, it was exactly on time. It was yeah. exactly at like 10, 20 or something. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, I guess it was punctual, but uh, Disposable was so cool. And they were like, if you want to just like wait till the end of the stream and like hop on after pedals done, which was like, uh, like 20 to one. Yeah. It was... Our time. It was intense, but we were like, yeah, sure. I mean, so we stayed on, we did the Acolyte cover in full and then we did like a worst party ever cover. And then we finished at like 1 AM our time. We turned off the stream and <laughs> like <laughs> we'd stayed up and like watched the whole stream. Cause like every single band that played was really, really good. Yeah. And so we'd like gotten snacks and shit and like mm. made ourselves comfortable. And when we turned off the stream, we were like, it looks like we just threw a party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's like cables all over the place like three guitars shooting around the room and like, and like a like a mountain of diet coke cans. wow yeah. i'm glad you guys had a great time and i'm glad also that you guys honored the i guess more of a theater kind of outlook of like the show must go on but the show did oh, yeah. go on and you guys upheld that so that's pretty nice i had my laptop open and i was like looking at chat uh then andy's was the one doing obs mm-hmm. uh so i was like able like to type like to the chat and like disposable was there and we were like giving uh, live updates on what percentage we were at. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Disposable was like, was like, like we're counting down. They were really cool. It was a really good show. And uh, it was a benefit for Paper Mill Food Hub, which mm. is, um, they like provide um, lower income families in like North Philly with uh, food. And I think Disposable said we raised $415 wow. by like last night. So they said probably we could probably get to like 500 by the morning wow which is really sick that is so fucking cool Mm -hmm. yeah we're really stoked on that that's super cool and i'm glad you guys had a successful night and a following morning that's that's really awesome but yeah tell me a little bit about chill wave records how did you guys get signed to them and what's that like for you now brody's previous band was signed to chill wave so they were like good pals with like Rob and Alex and Ben and Yvette. Brody already knew the whole crew and they like, they put out records for their old band and they were just like very cool people. And then I was just sort of adjacent to that chilling with my two songs that I had out. Mm -hmm. Rob and I just started kind of talking on Twitter. Rob had been saying, I think to Brody for a while that he really wanted to like put out the Blue Deputy LP whenever it came out. Oh yeah. He was like lusting after that, (laughs) that, that release. I was like, I mean, yeah. First we need to record it. First we got to record it, but sure. (laughs) Mm. Like get it properly produced and shit. But yeah, eventually. And like, you know, how did you promo? Like they are very, very savvy at like getting people interested. And they're very active. Like they're constantly updating their YouTube channel. They have like a really solid platform. A lot of the people who follow Chill Wave are like really cool, interesting people. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I've met a lot of people through other people that interact with Chillwave. They've been nothing but good to us. And like, we got Chillwave Rob a uh, best boss ever mug with (laughs) faces on it for Christmas. (laughs) Just because like, he's awesome. And like, Chillwave is great. It's honestly a dream come true. Telling my dad that my band put out like a record or like even tapes. Mm-hmm. It was just like a dream come true. And sold them out. Yeah, and sold them out. Pretty dope. Wow. Um, all thanks to Chillwave. And honestly, can't be more thankful for them. What I noticed changed a lot. Because we recently got like a huge bump in listener. Well, not huge, but like around like a 500 listener bump mm-hmm. um, from regular. Because I posted a TikTok <laughs> and uh, people started listening to the Deputy a lot. And fucking December after the Wrapped came out. So like we literally got like almost 7,000 streams in December alone mm-hmm. after the Spotify artist wrapped came out. So it like didn't show up on, Oh, I was so mad. But yeah. So we got a bump in, in listeners then. And then like Chillwave obviously announced that we were signed to them. We were putting out tapes um, and hoodies and we got another listener bump. But what I noticed was our like listeners also like part completely changed. Mm. A lot of the Chillwave bands, popped up on there and that sort of really showed to me that chill wave people really trust them mm-hmm. and their like sort of taste making ability they just have such a good reputation of just having like really really good bands on there like fucking nope padfoot padfoot uh to be gentle i'm to not sure gentle. if they're like on on chill wave but they're definitely peripheral Mm-hmm. Uh, elephant jake Ele- oh my god elephant jake Ridiculous i'm so fucking good. stoked to be label mates with elephant jake um then obviously noise plant, <laughs> noise plant is yeah. amazing from delaware they're super duper young shout out noise plant yeah they're, they're awesome. literally in high school wow <laughs> and they're, they're so good and they're signed to chill even put out a cassette if i was that cool when i was in high school my ego would be so huge by now they did two runs of cassettes yeah and they sold out both i think didn't damn they? Yeah, they did. that's crazy yeah, I can't wait for Stream that. Stream Mutual Gray. Yeah. No, that's super cool. Earlier, Andy, you mentioned TikTok, and we've talked about your Instagram presence, a bit about your Twitter presence. So I'm just curious as to, like, which platform you think benefits Blue Deputy's music the most. And uh, maybe if you could try to get us to why as well. Like, you don't have to understand the algorithms, obviously. What do you think is behind your best platform? Ah, jeez. Who does understand the algorithms? It's, <laughs> it's certainly not I. But, like, depends. I think TikTok is really good for gaining a follow. I think it's not so good for actually reaching that following. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's honestly just like a redirection platform. It's so like the, I made a TikTok back in December and one of them, I was actually chatting with my friend about, that was a very English phrase. I was talking with my friend today about this. What does really well on TikTok is novelty. Mm-hmm. Like if you just show people something weird and then they will just like watch whatever you're going to show them. I was like, man, what can I do that's going to get people's attention and the house that I was staying at for a long time last semester when I didn't really want to be in London because it was just uh, coronavirus was so bad here. Mm-hmm. So I was staying with the family out in uh, outside of Belfast in Northern Ireland. I was staying at my like grandparents cottage that they own and it's sort of on a cliff. It's like more of a key. Mm-hmm. It's like right out. It's right out in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's, it's where they filmed Game of Thrones, like truly bleak territories. Oh, um, like it can be gorgeous, but it can also be like harrowing. Depressing. <laughs> Depressing. Right. Yeah, I was like, fuck it. Okay, I'll start this off by being like, hey, I'm Andy and I live on a cliff. <laughs> so I did that. People seem to really enjoy that. And um, then I started talking about my band. I made sure to plug the Instagram, Twitter. And we got like fucking, I think we got like 200 followers. And 
a good hundred on Twitter, which like isn't that much in the grand scheme of things, but it was a significant boost. Yeah. Um, and we've definitely we got we got a listener boost from that for sustained interaction and for reaching people consistently. I'd say probably Twitter and Instagram are better for that. Mm. I've started trying to use Instagram more now that we actually have more followers on there than Twitter, mm. um, which is weird because I'm not really a huge Instagrammer. I don't really understand it. It's basically a shopping app now, yeah, um, which kind of sucks. But mm. thinking about it, Instagram is kind of where I first got into DIY. As I wasn't really on Twitter that much, it kind of felt a little scary, and it still is, honestly. Mm. But, like I found, I remember summer of last year, I like followed a shit ton of DIY and DIY adjacent bit. Like I was, you know, introduced like Beach Fuzz, Carly Cosgrove, The yeah. Palms. I remember following those kind of guys, and then obviously like Soda Bar. That was where like shows were advertised was Instagram, and so like that was how I got into it. And so now I'm having to like kind of rediscover like what drew me in so I can do the same to other people. Yeah, I'm starting to focus on that more because I think Twitter can be a really weird place. There's definitely a different crowd on there than the one on Instagram. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a different vibe. They're different audiences for sure. Totally, yeah. There's like a little bit of crossover with like, you know, people we know and stuff. But generally speaking, I think Instagram, Twitter is definitely more of a place to like interact with people and Instagram is more of a place to like represent ourselves. And we do like Q and A's and the occasional live stream. Twitter's definitely more of the like conversational aspect of it. I think that Twitter has always been the place that I've been most drawn to. And for um, a lot of bands, it can be good for like promotion because I feel like on there, people tend to conflate you as a person with you um, as your band mm-hmm. and you start to exist as the same kind of entity mm. and that can be scary also it can be like really good for gaining a following it's also like awesome for like really young people and like really small bands to like kind of get like introduced into that space i've seen a lot of people who are like 15 years old like get added to the, the diy space and something you kind of just mentioned that i'm also curious to hear your take on is that there's this blurry line between the actuality of a person's identity outside of music and then also within music. Do you think that that's like a huge problem or a significant enough problem to maybe rethink how people advertise themselves as a brand and as an individual person? Or like, how do you think people can cope with that in 2021 and moving forward into the future? Yeah, on Twitter, there's definitely sort of like a blurry line between people and their projects and i think like brody said that can be a really good thing for Mm. like growing your brand because you attach your personal brand which people like to your band and so because people like you they want to listen to your music um and like you can get a lot of like follower like sort of transfer from your page to your band and that can be really cool like people look at you and they're like okay i really like your vibe so i'm gonna listen to your music and support you Mm. um and you sort of fall into the scene that way but i think where it gets to be a bad thing is when like people say things and do things that are not okay you know they get rightfully shown out to be who they are and then people make it about their band i think that's all i'll say on that but like it can kind of become a little bit too much about bands at, Mm. at some points you know I'll put it this way. Sometimes people on that app kind of think of people as bands rather than the people being in bands, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I am not Blue Deputy and neither is Brody, but we are in Blue Deputy, if that makes absolutely any sense at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, like 
they're separate but connected. I think separating the artist from the art is stupid. And I think it really only works in very, very few contexts. Mm-hmm. But to conflate the two completely is at its you know, most innocuous is just kind of insensitive and at its worst can be pretty damaging. Damaging, Yeah, I would say. It's kind of scary to see. I touched on car seat headrest earlier about how I used to like the car seat headrest mm. uh, worship. And what really freaks me out about music comes from like seeing how specifically like their fan base and fan bases like theirs interact with the bands. Like their fan base is notorious for being like incredibly invasive and creepy and like wanting to know everything about Will Toledo and like reading into his lyrics a lot and trying to like figure out what his life is like. Mm-hmm. Being really intrusive about it and sort of really trying to dig into who he is personally and sort of creating like a fan worship thing around him. Mm-hmm. And that's always really freaked me out, the like sort of personal aspects to having a band and like being the brand of the band. And how, like, in that way, you invite people into your mind, especially if your lyrics are personal. Mm-hmm. And then you can't really control what they do there. Them thinking that you and your band are, like, the epitome of, like, who you are and sort of making inferences based on that, mm-hmm. you know, when they don't, they, like, they don't know you. And I think we all do it to a certain extent, but it still freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, I want to start a band with, like, a name like William Bonnie or something. But uh, the name of the band isn't the name of any of the members. Mm -hmm. And so whoever's in the band can just be like perceived as that name. Uh, The working name is uh, Ben Mercado because it's like a musical direction. I think it means to play with. And an inside joke as well. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it means to play with accentuation. Um, And so the front person of that band is going to be perceived as Ben Mercado. And that's awesome because then they don't have to be perceived as who they you know actually are in real life they get to like put on a character yeah yeah i mean i haven't given it too much thought i'm glad we did get to that though because you guys have thought about it a little bit more than i have perhaps but what do you guys think you'd be doing if you'd never gotten into music because i know there were many variables and i guess reasons uh for you guys to like never have gotten together as a band at all or even into music before that so um yeah, who do you guys think you'd be, or what do you think you'd be doing right now if you never got into music? I'd be an econ major, probably. Uh-oh. I would think stocks are real. <laughs> That's where I would be. I'd be, like, still playing college hockey, and I'd be, like, <laughs> checking the stocks every day as if that shit's real. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be straight edge, I don't think. I don't think I would be at that point in my life. We didn't mention that. We're both straight edge. Me, as of, like, was it, like, July? Like May. May, May. I think so. Like May, June. I'm Brody since always. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I would be straight edge because I think the music scene sort of showed me like that I, I don't know, this sounds corny, but like I didn't need substances in my life to like get what I was looking for out mm. of a night out or a day out, you know? Mm. I didn't even really want that to be a part of my life at all. Like in England, the college culture definitely revolves, like social scene definitely revolves around drinking. And I was like, really searching for something outside of that that Mm. you know scratched the itch of like a good night out and i really found that in the scene i don't think i would be like where i am at now with regards to like um straight edge and that kind of stuff Mm. i would be second string running back for university (laughs) of delaware um i'd probably still be a poli sci major but i'd be one of the bad ones (laughs) Um, I'd be one of the ones that are like, well, to play devil's advocate, 
Um, oh, and I'd definitely be cis. So. Oh, yeah. Probably me as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, shit. And I'd still probably be into music, but... But, like, passively. Yeah, but, like, very passively. Like, like I couldn't imagine just, like, not, like, listening to music. But, yeah, I'd definitely be, like, still into sports. Maybe I'd be in a fraternity. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. My dad and grandpa were both in one. Wow. My stepdad, too. Thank God you do music, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Well, I mean, I'm glad you guys have quite a vivid picture of where you guys would be. Because sometimes when I throw that question out, people are just so baffled by it. They're like, no, what do you mean? No music. I am music. You know, <laughs> and I'm just like, all right. Yeah. But but yeah, no, that's super cool. We have a lot of different interests that don't necessarily incorporate to music, but mm-hmm. like revolve around it in some capacity. Like we mentioned earlier how like sports and emo are pretty closely knit but they don't have to be you know mm, um, every morning we wake up watch uh, sports news while eating breakfast together yeah. nice <laughs> that's a ritual yeah i like it i like it before we finish with blue deputy's advice for emerging artists just a quick reminder to follow our show wherever you go to stay updated on all things music you can listen to blue deputy's latest work a two-piece collection of the songs New Jersey and I Hate Steven Singer on the Swan SWUN Freshman Class of 2021 playlist or on your own time on Spotify and other platforms. If you're an artist who wants to be in the hot seat for an episode, hit me up at so Who's Up Next on Instagram. Now for some advice. What advice do you have for anyone looking to get into the music space? What would you say to them? Great, great question, first and foremost. Just keep writing music. It like I think that's probably the best piece of advice that was ever like passively given to me, probably by like YouTubers who were like asked the same question at one point that mm. I watched. Like honestly, I just kept fucking writing songs and they all sucked shit, but I just kept going. And they will for a long time. They will suck for so long and it will <laughs> feel like I mean, some people are just off the bat really good and that's mm. really annoying, but whatever, good for them. But like <laughs> It's okay if your songs aren't good because they will be as long as you keep writing them. Yeah. Like, and a lot of it is to do with just the fact that you don't have access to like either the knowledge behind how to use DAWs or even like a DAW in its in and of itself. I made this TikTok that blew up a while ago that was like, what the DAW you use says about you. Mm-hmm. And I was said it there and I will say it again. If you use Audacity, you are the coolest person ever. Audacity is what I started out on and like, I learned how to use it in like middle school in like the computer lab. That's what I recorded all of my like first stuff on. It was god awful and it was dumb and stupid, but it was like how I truly learned like dolls that use like grids and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That was how I learned sort of the, I guess like the UI behind most dolls and like the intuition behind recording. So like I just kind of kept going and I knew that I sucked, but I just kept sharing my music. And I think that's another important thing is just like you don't have to have a face if you don't want to, but just like have it out there and listen to what people say about it and just have people listening to it because it kind of just like boosts your ego a little bit. Someone somewhere will like it somewhere. Mm. Like even like my music was so bad and I still have people (laughs) who were supporting me because they were good people and they probably, you know, maybe they didn't like it, but they, you know, they had the, the sense to encourage me. And I think that is something about music is lifting other people up the same way you were lifted up yeah can be a really good ripple effect my mm-hmm. advice would just be like keep making music and share it even though it's absolutely terrifying to do so just like show it to people 
I think that there's never been a better time to be a musician uh, than right now because the barrier uh, for entry um, is lower than it's ever been. Uh, there's never been a better time to break into being a musician, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not performance-wise. Well, all right. Yeah. It's never been a better time to start doing music. Technically, in... it's never been a worse time to be a touring musician. <laughs> but... Yeah, true. As of, all right, scratch all of that. <laughs> Give me a minute. As of like 2017-ish, I think there's never been a better time to break into doing music because the barrier for entry is lower than it's ever been. You can buy um, like a Focusrite interface on the used market for like 50 or $60. They have like really cheap mics on Amazon. And the online like ecosystem can be very, very supportive, especially if you're very young. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, just just write any old stuff. Just keep, I think, even the process of even like recording a cover. I learned so much from doing that and just like fiddling around and showing it to people and hearing what they had to say. And like knowing when I should like keep my ground on something and when I want to noodle around something. Mm -hmm. And just sort of leaning on the community for support mm. to be honest the diy community in my eyes is mainly there for beginners and young people to lean on whether or not it does an actual good job of making those people feel safe is completely up to the people in it but i know myself and the people i keep around me are very much invested in supporting beginners and young people i think it's what diy is there for mm. is to provide a support system for people who just want to like make and share their art and don't really know where to start. It's like, okay, well you can start by recording a voice memo and sending it to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like if you're an older person in an established like community, it's kind of your obligation to help people who aren't as experienced as you, you know, like you shouldn't take it as like a, that's like a chore or anything. Like you don't have to, um, if you don't want to, but like, if you see a person or band who's trying to break through and you like have a house venue or know people who do, then like talk to them. If you're in a band, then try to get them on the bill. If you know how to record, then like offer to help them out with their like first EP or whatever. Like if you're looking for a fill in, ask them, you know? Yeah. I think it's just, it's, you know, we're all communists here, you know, just like <laughs> share it around, share the wealth. I think is the ethos of it all.